Hello and welcome to Bottled Up. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome aboard. My name is Sunny. I'm one of the hosts of our podcast series and it is an absolute pleasure to have you listening um, and tuning in sort of to this podcast <laughs> that we have going on. And for today's episode, I'm sitting down with a guy called Niv, who's a GP in the southeast suburbs of Melbourne. Um, it's a pretty candid and open chat about, you know, what it's like and I guess more specifically pulling the curtain back on what it's like being a junior doctor, um, you know, especially as you go through med school, you, you know, then you head on to your residency where you're working some quite long hours. Um, and so, um, you know, we kind of unpack all that and, and his experiences during his med school and, and what it's like being a GP. Um, and I hope you guys take something away from it. I, I certainly did. And I think it was having a greater appreciation for those that are on our front line. So without further ado, I'll, um, I'll get the podcast started and hope you guys enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> for those for you're those that well. don't um, don't know um, don't know Niv, um, you're a doctor. So um, I was making that joke earlier about the mm. rarity of having <laughs> some free time because um, you you work you, quite, you work quite a bit and, and you work quite a bit for our community and, and patients out there. And I think um, yeah, I think there's a lot to talk about in this podcast in particular in our conversation about just taking just taking a sort of I think um, so. How do you call it? Maybe a flip on experiences, because so so often we um yeah so often we care about sure. the patient experience and and how the patient's feeling and um you know patients um, care as being as being the forefront of everything. Almost um you know I hear a lot of doctors yep. say that patients come before themselves, um, and and a lot of people that go into medicine it's about um yep. you know I'm going to commit my career and my life to to my patients, and in some cases that's probably um you know at the sacrifice if you might call it of of family um and i think you and i are going to have a pretty powerful conversation about taking a flip on that and actually digging in deep into the doctor's experience and and how the how the doctor feels um and yeah i I just i I don't know about you i i just don't hear too much about you know how the doctor's feeling yeah um no that's exactly right sonny i think um there's a lot i think in the past there was a there wasn't much talked about at all in terms of the hours that doctors used to do and how doctors used to feel doing those hours and kind of the uh, the pressures of hospital, the pressures of, as you said, very rightly, the patient care, wherever the setting is. But I think now I think there is starting to, people start, are starting to discuss it and junior doctors are starting to say that things things may not be okay and things are not as as okay as people sound and uh, as people make it sound. And starting to have that conversation, so I think, yeah, no, definitely, I think um, that conversation is starting to be had, mm. but not enough. Mm. And, I think, and I think, I think, rightfully so, because you like, like, then, like, the, the only way I, you can sort of help someone else is when you're in the right place yourself. Um, and it goes yep. for the same for when you're in friendships, in relationships. Um, yep. You know, just any act of service for others. Um, the only way you can service yep. others is by servicing yourself first, and so. And, and, I, and I think, like, especially as as a doctor, um, you so often like I I haven't heard my my GP ever complain about anything, and and I think I, yeah. why would yeah, they? They, they, they never, never would. would. Like, um, <laughs> you're a great patient, Sonny. <laughs> so I'm, I, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I mean, like, I'm 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 a I'm a quick and easy fix for them. You know, I I, I come in, I've got a runny nose. Here's some antibiotics, whatever it might be. <laughs> Yeah, that's it, it. It's always the same solution I find. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's probably why they're so kind to me. Uh, maybe, but, um, maybe. No, like, like I mean, I, I've I've never sort of flipped it and, and been like, you know, how are you feeling? And and I mean, that's that's probably just like the dynamic no, exactly. of it, right? Like, especially in a GP setting, you know, um, that's exactly you're right. quite under pressure to like get through patients. Um, yep. You've got certain allocations. Yep. Even on hot doc, I'm seeing whether you want to make it a short visit or a long visit. And yep. I think little things like that. Yep. Um, yeah sort of set the frontier of like what is actually happening behind the scenes um and sunny hit the nail on the head if i just may add something really quickly you said something that really touched home with this is that i think with with doctors and things we tend to try to do a lot for other people we try to kind of like I think, not we don't try. We're not like this hero <laughs> people. But I think we we, we just the nature of our job is that we spend our time in hospital taking care of other people. But I think it's that it's a very cliched quote. But this idea that you can't serve people from mm. an empty vessel. So if um, you can completely obliterate yourself 
But at the end of the day, if you don't have anything to give, whether it be physically, whether you're tired or you haven't slept or, or you're just mentally fatigued or emotionally fatigued from a tough day or whatever it may be, they say that you should still give the same care to the last patient of the day, to mm. the first patient of the day, but sometimes that can be very, very hard. So I think it's, um, yeah, as, as you said very rightly, Sunny, this idea of t- you've got to take care of yourself, and I think that's, I think, mm. what we're going to talk about today a little bit, right. I guess. So and, same same um, level of care yeah, for the first patient that walks in and, and, and the last patient that walks in and walks out, right? Well, yeah. That, that's a lot exactly of pressure. Right. Yeah. Um, mm. yeah. I, I yeah. want to strip it back. Um, back back to high school days, back to um, sort of where this where this um, little fire came from uh, within yourself, Nib. <laughs> yeah, no, um, for sure. What what got you into medicine uh, to begin with? Um, well, as you've probably gathered, I'm I'm your typical kind of well, not typical kind of brown kid that loved his sciences in in kind of high school, and I, I did my biologies, my chemistries, my my. Um, physics and that in high school but even through all of that I don't think I ever truly thought that medicine was the only thing for me like it was definitely something that I wanted and and thought of something that may be a part of my life because um, the role models I had was when I was younger was I think my GP one of the many role models I had but my GP was this this in my eyes a hero he would take care of my grandparents he would take care of my parents and take care of the community so well and I th- that's something that even from a, quite a young age, I really looked up to. He would come home, take care of my family and um, really show love and care to them. And the amount of, and, and this is a byproduct of that care, but the amount of respect they had for him and the job that he was doing and the care that he was providing, for them it was great, obviously, but you could see how much it meant to him too, mm. like how much fulfillment it gave him in his life. And I think um, that kind of maybe ignited the fire. I haven't really thought about it, but when I think back in hindsight, maybe that was the start of it. And then... As I kind of progressed through my time at kind of doing science and then um, I was thinking, what could I do with this? this I, I like to kind of do things for other people. I kind of want to do use my skills and see what I can do to help. And I love talking, as you've probably already gathered in the short time this <laughs> podcast has gone on. And I like developing relationships with people. So kind of putting all of it together, I think, why not give this medicine thing a shot? And then... Right. Um, yeah, and then I, I and then we started. We started on this journey, and then um, it's kind of gone on bit by bit. Done my time in med school, done my time in hospitals, and um, now I'm a GP. So mm. um, it's it's been a, it's been a, a, a rel- for me. I mean, I mean, if you look at a it perspective, it's a very short journey. But for me, it's been a long time mm. that I'm here in a place where um, I want to talk about my experiences so far as a mm. as a junior doctor and kind of what's shaped me to be where I am today. Um, mm. So yeah, that's kind of my story. So I, I don't know if that answered your question, but um, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. perfect, perfect. There's a, a probably an important thing you hit home there, and it's probably that notion around self worth, especially with that family GP <clears throat> you were just talking about. I, mm. You know, you, you said that um, you didn't know what was probably going through your own head, mm. but seeing seeing him service the community, your family, other f- sort of friends, yeah. colleagues, yeah. whatever it might be, you could probably see a a very noble sense of self-worth yeah. <clears throat> within himself. Yeah. And um, do you think, you know, if, even when you take a step back and, and you look at, you know, actively why why you chose to pursue medicine, mm. was it because of that notion of like, I'm getting the opportunity to service my community, my family and friends and, and putting a smile on their face? Yeah, I, I think, Susan, I think, um, I do, I do think that. I, I think the, um, I think I probably had a bit of a warped perspective of what medicine was going into it. Um, I think mm. that, I think a lot, honestly, Sonny, a lot of people, and I could be speaking for myself and trying to extrapolate to everyone, but I think a lot of people do have a potentially a warped idea of what medicine is going to be like when they go into it. I think um, mm. we all, like for me, I, I, did, I do want to try and help people I, as much as I can do with the skills that I've got. And that was one of the reasons that I went into it. But I think the the thought of trying to put a smile on people's face, as you said, I think is is for me very good because I saw what it what my GP did to my grandparents, for example, and I thought mm. that's what doctors do, um, and I think maybe and I again I, I don't know if I'm correct in saying this, but a lot of people go into it for that reason, but the other side of it is as you said, it gave him fulfillment, it gave him this concept of he was doing something for his community, and that that is why I went into it, <coughs> but and I think as we'll talk about, there are other sides to that that. Um, can be a bit questionable too. 
Mm. And and just before we dive into sort of your experiences going through maybe residency mm. and med school itself, like even first year, second mm-hmm. year, third year, um, was there was there ever an element you know coming from like a South Asian family? Mm. I, I myself come from a South Asian family <laughs> as well. A lot of the listeners have probably yeah. heard me quote about this many times, um, and. I've been I've been quite fortunate. I think my my parents haven't been too on my tail mm. with with sort of what I should do with mm. my life. Yeah, they've obviously been very like caring and and very um, invested in doing well and picking the right area. And and sure, they might have their biases towards certain career paths. Yeah. Um, was there ever an element of um, you know just just painting the scene? I guess for a lot of listeners yeah. who are listening, and as you as you talk to your junior doctor experience. Um, that family pressure of course, ever coming of course. into it, or, or, were you, or were you quite, I guess, lucky yeah. in that it was more out of yourself and your your own, like, um, you know, Will. Yeah. fruition? Yeah, 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 exactly. No, I, that's a really good question, Sunny. I think for me, I, I was one of the lucky ones. I think. I think. So I think, as you probably have said, and and as is the case for, as you said, probably a lot of the people listening, if if you are South Asian or brown, as I like to say it probably not politically correctly, but, um, <laughs> this idea that it'll do yeah, when I was, <laughs> when I was younger, like my parents, I think they instilled this idea into me that it's all about opportunity. And I think, um, and it's something that I've, I really believe in as well is that they've always pushed me hard and I have no quite at the time, obviously it was very hard and it was hard. So why, why am I doing maths homework when I come home from school and I've just done maths or why am I going mm. to tuition or why am I working on my holidays or why am I working on my weekends? But they always pushed me to work hard. So, and I think that wasn't me being pushed hard to be a doctor. It wasn't me being pushed hard to be a lawyer or, or something great or, anything, these apparently high prestige jobs or whatever it may be. Mm. It was more that I could get to a point at any point in my life and have a wealth of options available to me. Because I think if Mm. I didn't work hard, then I wouldn't have that available to me. And I think it goes back to probably their experience coming here. They, They worked so hard so that they could provide opportunities for me and for the people to come after me potentially. And they, they work so hard for that opportunity. And I think opportunity for me is a big mm. thing. So I was, uh, to, to answer your question in, in a very roundabout way, I think I was very lucky that I wasn't pushed to become a doctor. I was pushed mm. to be, to put myself in a position that I could choose what I wanted to choose at any point in my life. And I think um, that's something that I have tried to talk to people about in my own life because I think I don't think being the doctor is the most important thing in the world to anyone I don't think being a lawyer Mm. is the most important thing in the world to anyone I don't think those high prestige jobs are all they're cut out to be for every single person it may be for some people but what I believe is true is that if you have the opportunity to choose something that makes you happy you should put yourself in the best position in life to choose that because and and work hard for it and sacrifice for it sure but get to that point and work hard for that. And that's more important. Mate, very, very powerfully said. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 those, those are words of fire, those ones. <laughs> I get a bit passionate um, sometimes. Yeah. So You've got to hold me back a little bit, I think. You, you, <laughs> no, you can tell. And, um, you, you would, uh, and um, I, won't, I, won't, I won't hold this off any longer. I, I do want to get into your experiences, yes. um, yeah. you know, through med school. But so going, going through med school... Mm. Um, yeah. You know, you know, something, you know, I've, I've got a couple of friends who are also studying medicine at the moment. Mm-hmm. Something I always, always, always hear is, oh, I mean, I don't always hear, <laughs> I, I probably see it as well. They're very, very tight on time. Yeah. Uh, and they're probably spending a lot of their time in different parts of regional Victoria, yep. just like working, doing residency and, and sort of getting out there. But your experiences going going through uni and, and doing medicine, yep. how, how were they? Um, um, yeah. So... To be perfectly honest, Sunny, med school was, it wasn't the best time of life, to Mm. be perfectly honest. I think the hard thing about med school, Sunny, is is that you've got all these people that are individually incredible in their life, right? You've got these people that in any, and this is someone, Mm. something someone told me quite early on in med school, I think, is that you've got all these people that have apparently excelled in like all these things and individually they've, they've done their science degrees, they've done school, they've apparently done these amazing things in their life and they've come to med school and they've always been this mm. top tier of people <clears throat> in life. And then you've got them mm. all put in this inner room 
And the only thing that comes of it is not, in my opinion anyway, is competition. And I think mm. for me, something that um, has translated through my time in med school and even to this day as a doctor is how that competition that I experienced, even on probably my first day, I remember, of medical school has definitely, um, has definitely, and I can say this with a fact, that has definitely impacted on my self-worth as a doctor because they would pitch you against each other just by the nature of kind of being in the same room discussing cases and things. And some people clearly know more than others because they've, for whatever reason, they, they've, done, they've had that background from day one. And I think, I don't know if this is making sense, but that competition that was instilled on that first day was not healthy, in my opinion. Um, and other mm. people can disagree with me. Other people can think it, was, it pushed them to be greater but I think um, that's not what medicine for me was about then and it, was, it isn't what it is about for me now. But I think that my self-worth and I think a lot of doctors' self-worth and their, their place and their role in medicine was impacted by the competition that they experienced through med school. And I mm. don't know how healthy that is, to be perfectly honest. Mm. And, and that, that idea of competition, I know, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, in, in medicine they sort of have a ranking system. Yep. That that's quite. I don't know if it's quite visible, but I, I know that some people know where their rank is mm. in in a particular cohort. Mm. Is there is there any particular reason that they do that, or do they do they do that out of a um, we want you to be better and, and keep striving for more type of thing? No, that's a really good question, Sunny. So I think it's really interesting that you asked that. So I think when I went through med school, um, there was that ranking system, and it wasn't. <clears throat> I don't think year to year they didn't really have it, but when it mattered the most, when it came to the end of end of um, medical school they would rank you they would say they wouldn't say you are one you are a hundred you are 200 you are 300 they would give you a what a score okay and then that mm. score would be the score that would they would use to kind of say which like they would use that score to say which hospital you could go to as an intern and then um and that right. and that score is is very kind of defining of your career as in medical school so far so, um, and it's interesting because if you look at in America, for example, and, and other kind of, I think, and I, I could, I didn't fact check this before I said this, Sonny, but <laughs> when I, when we were going through it, I think places like in America, Harvard and things like that have a pass fail system and other, other states, mm. I think even, um, in Australia potentially have a pass fail system where you do the content, you learn the content, you pass your exams and you, that's it. And then your next steps as a doctor are based on who you are as a person rather than a score on a piece of paper, which I, 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 by, don't get me wrong, I think an exam mm. is important as a, as a knowledge kind of test, but I think that can't be the be-all and end-all of who you are as a doctor mm. because I think there's a lot more to that. And I think, yeah, it, it, it does more harm than good. Um, and I think, yeah, for example, that score for me, was it's a very hard thing to kind of think back about because it just put me in such a, 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 a terrible place thinking that this is this score is a terrible score and it, this mm. does that mean that I'm a terrible doctor does that mean I'm not cut out for this does this mean I shouldn't continue with this because I can't do this even properly what hope do I have out there in the real world with real patients like that mm. that level of thinking came in and I think obviously with that z-score there are things that you have to introspect and you have to realize that, yeah, you can improve your knowledge, you can learn, you can do these things. But um, I think it does a lot more harm than good um, because it doesn't mm. foster um, positivity and um, the understanding that, um, and as I said, my, my career has been very, very short so far. So I, I don't have all the wisdom that the, the people that have done it for many years have. But I think that there's lo a lot more to medicine um, in whatever place you practice it than um, what's in a textbook. Um, mm. So, yeah. No, I... I, I completely agree. And I think to your point, I know there's a couple of MBA programs as well in the US where they just have the pass fail. And I think the reason they do that is to bolster more creativity. Yeah. Um, and I think if you get too focused and too caught up in the numbers, you're going to obviously probably choose, maybe in med it's already predefined, some of the subjects you can choose. Yeah. But obviously I think where there's more free, more free reign, yeah. you'd be choosing subjects that would just boost your marks yeah. Or, yeah. or get you through to the other end. Yeah. So, uh, it's it's a very important point about like you know and I, this is probably a different conversation about how it how our education system actually fosters creativity mm. And, mm. and innovation in itself because yep. um, you know quote unquote there's there's many ways to game the system yep. 
um, to, to get what you want. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the, the point earlier about, like, having so many high-achieving people in, in the one place, it, like, it, it can be tough because yeah. uh, you've got a lot of people in, and you hear it about certain courses, you know, um, whether it's commerce, whether yeah. it's biomedicine, um, biomedicine and sciences in particular, mm. like, um, this is just my assumption and just from what I've heard is um, a lot of people out there trying to get into med um, yep. and yep. they're going through a three, four year undergrad degree yep. um, trying to sit the gam set yep. or whatever it might be, yep. um, trying to get into med. So it, it's like, this is this is a very real case for a lot of lot of students across a so. number of different fields. And um, I, I kind of want to dig deep a little bit more. Sure. Uh, it's yep. always, always my favorite thing. Go in, thing. Sonny, tell me. Um, you know, as, as you're seeing, um, you know, you've talked about like you pegging your own self-worth quite a few times mm. and how that's given you a warped perception yep. of medicine. Because medicine, as it, as it should be, and you're, you're the doctor here, it's, it's about patient care, yep. right? But at the same time, it's about coming from a good place mm. and, and feeling in a very... Um, not coining this correctly, but like I guess, feeling in a in a place of completeness yep. where you're able to help provide that advice to others yep. in a very rational, um, maybe emotional, unemotional way, mm. and and it's a very um, you know clear answer or solution for the patient. Do you find often, and you can talk to maybe some of your friends as well. Yeah. Um, you you do residencies, you do placements. Um, that was your maybe first taste mm. of of mm. getting out there and into the real world. Mm looking back at some of your experiences in the prior years in, in med school, how, how were you placed? Like obviously doing placements in different, in different places, like, you know, were you, were you left alone? A lot of the time were you often um, told to just deal with the cards you've been dealt or um, did you feel almost a sense of insecurity mm. as well yeah. when you were providing that patient care? So, <coughs> sorry, Sunny. Um, there's, I think, there's two, I think, parts to your answer, Sunny. I think both first from a support and that kind of point of view, I think that was a, that's a point I want like, I think that's a very important point. And then the second point is a more individual kind of side of things. I think those two things are very, um, two very big parts of being a junior doctor. So I think, mm. well, I guess we'll touch on the institutional kind of organizational side of things first, yep. um, if that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think hundred <laughs> percent. I think as a junior doctor, Sonny, you're like you don't really have much control over much. Okay, mm. um, so I think that the idea is is that you you go where you want to be as an intern. You get given a set certain rotations, and you do it. Um, you you may not like it, but you do it. Um, you may not like where you got where you got to go, but you you have to go there. You have no choice. As you said, there are people that have gone out to the country and have to do that for a, a quite a bit of time or a short about amount of time. Regardless, they have to do that. And then you become a resident, you get these rotations and you, you have to do them. And then as you go further and further in your career, you as you get more experienced, they put you on night shifts because you're more experienced. They put you on weekends because you're more experienced and you can cover more patients without with less support because you're more experienced but they there's no conversation about what support you have in that time and what kind of training mm. you've had and things like that so I think so for example and I, we've talked about this but I'm sure this is the experience for a lot of other junior doctors out there night shift um I, I remember there was for me I'll probably never forget this there was a a, a small hospital where I was I was the only resident on at night time and I think this is not uh, uncommon, and, this, and this, it's like 200 beds, 200 so beds or whatever it may be. And for me, like anyone hearing that, that's like, oh, how could you take care of 200 people overnight? What if something bad happens to two people? Well, yeah, that's the point here. The point is, is that for, us, for junior doctors, this is a normal thing. Like there are, I don't know, there would be about at the particular hospital that I was at, there would be different a week on week off, but throughout the year. So there'd be 20, 30 doctors doing this rotation um, and I'm sure that'd be the case across the board, across hospitals, because it has to be doc junior doctors on at night. So that, like being by yourself overnight, taking care of this many people is one of the most scary things that you could ever experience. So support mm -hmm. was an ambulance. Support was not there at present at the time. So I think experiences like that for me, from an organizational point of view, it can be very hard for a junior doctor. You don't can't really say, oh, I don't want to do this. 
I can't really say, oh, I don't feel comfortable. Oh, I, I, I do, what if something happens? What, what do I do? It's more uh, like call people. Like here's the phone number for the mm-hmm. consultant. Here's the triple zero. Call them. So, I mean, there are avenues. And as I said from the start, this may not be the experience of every single junior doctor that is listening to this or is out there. But for me personally, I think it's scary. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's something that um, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know what the right thing is, but sometimes it can be quite hard um, for for us as a junior doctor. Mm. And, and 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 do you do you feel you know talking to that experience? Do you feel scared a, a lot of the time? Yeah. Or, or like you know often and you know touch wood, hopefully nothing went wrong. Yeah. Um, when when you were on that shift, but. I, it's it's a lot of responsibility to put on someone who's going through their placements. Well, um, yeah, you know you're you're probably what twenty twenty one twenty two at that yeah. time, and uh, it's, it's got two hundred. You know, Sunny, let me t- let me just paint a picture. Is that imagine your so the way they contact you is with a pager system, or at that time it may have been like a very old phone, and you're basically praying that you don't get two at the same time. It's essentially the point, right? So if you get two bad things happening at the same time, what do you do? Like, truly though, Sonny, like I think um, you, there's obviously process involved with triaging what's more important. You go to the place that mm. is more important. You, you try and get the nurses to deal with what's less important. You call them. There are process and protocols involved. I'm not saying that it's like completely like ridiculous and completely unsafe. But what I'm saying is that, and to the point of this, I guess this whole conversation is that the patient, like for me, there was only of the, I think, 10 weeks or whatever I was on this rotation, only happened a couple of times with those two relatively serious things that happened at the same time overnight. And that was, it was scary at the time. Mm. But my point is, and the patients at the end of all of this for everyone listening was all fine. Everyone was okay. Everyone was fine. But the point Mm. is, is that, and and I guess this is the point of this whole conversation, is that for me, Yes, it was great coming out of that because it, I feel like, and this is something I talk about like to, 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 to junior doctors now and to even people outside of medicine, that it, it did make me grow. I, like I can't, mm. I'm not just saying this as if it was a completely negative experience, Sonny. I think for me it was, it was a growth experience, but at the time, oh my God, was I scared to drive <laughs> into to work at 8 p.m., on that day, every day for seven days mm. in a row. Well, these, oh my, these are night shifts as well. These are night shifts. And then like, yeah, like, and that's, yes, my self-worth probably increased in hindsight thinking about it, but at the time, mm. fear, ridiculous. So mm. I guess that's my first institutional argument, Sonny, but I think it, it right. do you mind if I keep going, Sonny? About, ah, yeah. 100%, mate. Sorry, I just, there's a lot to say and I've wanted to say this for a long time, Sonny, <laughs> so it's all coming out. <laughs> Um, but I think from Mate, a, it's what you call unbottling up. <laughs> yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. Um, I think the other things I need from an individual point of view as well is that, and and you have you have touched on points, and I wanted to find the right time to talk about this. Is you you said from the start of medical school that you're kind of um, put on this path, right? You, you, you kind of go through medical school, you're put out into rotations, you're having to go to different places, you're a junior doctor here, a junior doctor there, you're, you're at the whim of other people. But I think for me, and we talked about this analogy before, but this idea you're on this train and I think mm. you're on this train and you just keep on going and you don't know where it's going to end up, but you, you just keep going um, trying to attach your self-worth to things along the way, trying to find things, try and find fulfillment along the way, but it's not easy. And I think this analogy, will, I think we'll go through some of the rest of the conversations that we do have today, but that's an analogy. That's what I believe joining medicine is. You, you jump on a train at the start of med school or even before that if you wanted to know you wanted to be a doctor in high school even, and some people do. But you're on this train and you don't know where it's going sometimes. You don't know how fast it's going. You have no control over the brakes. You have no control over the speed. Um, and it doesn't really stop anywhere. It just keeps going. And I think um, just to touch on that point of that is, is, is that it just keeps going. Mate, I, I, can, I can relate a lot, mm. a lot to that. And I think for me, for me speaking, like I, I didn't know what I wanted to do going, going into uni. Yeah. And I think I... And not from my parents or anything like that, but I, I just got told, you know, commerce is high paying. It's going to help support, um, yeah. you know, 
the the well-being and the future of like you know your family growing up and, and whatever it might be um but little did i know that if if you purely don't know what you want to do yeah yeah um, there's there's a lot of times where you're just holding onto a train yep. being like okay i think this might take me to the yep. right place then then you sort of crash and burn and yep. you realize that okay maybe that's not the place i wanted to yep. be at that's exactly um, right and you know so many times and like <laughs> i i don't think we've touched on this so far yeah throughout this whole entire this time of you working ridiculous hours yeah um, how, how many hours were you working like you know at, at particular points in time um yeah just to get that out there because <laughs> we're not talking 38 hour weeks no we? <laughs> i well, at its worst sunny is has i can't remember what my worst week was but i remember there was i know there was one week for sure i, I worked what would it have been more than 60 i want to say 60 to 70 was there was one rotation in particular that I, I won't ever forget that was just 60 to 70 a week and that was abysmal consistently yeah and I, and and but honestly Sonia, and i have to be honest with this is that my experience in medicine i that is where i've been extremely lucky um is that mm. i have never and and this is and you see it in the media you see the conversations about it the hours thing and and the that is something I've been unbelievably lucky to never have to experience the worst side of us. Um, to be mm. perfectly honest, Sonny, like I think my um, my qualms, I guess, with this whole junior doctoring thing and my issues with medical school and things like that are, for me personally, not the hours of it, um, but more mm. the the other the the stuff we talk about, self worth side of things. But the hours thing, it's incredible, Sonny. The stories that I hear from people I'm working with currently about like being surgeons and the, the time that you spend in a row at hospital, sleeping at hospital. Um, I think, and, and just having no life, like you, you can't afford to have a life because that means that you're sacrificing your work. And then if you have work, you're sac- obviously you're sacrificing your family. And it's just, mm. you talk, you say the word burnout. I don't think we've said the word so far, but I <laughs> yeah. think, no. um, I think that's probably a big, big cause of it to be perfectly mm. honest. Yeah. Mm. And, and honestly, like uh, burnout is such a big thing. Um, you know, reading, I'm, I'm reading a couple of, and I might, I might quote a couple of things of here, but, um, you know, I was reading a report by the AMA, mm. um, Australian Medical Association. I think so. I think it stands for I'm a very yeah. bad doctor to not know that, but <laughs> I, I think so. <laughs> I haven't fact checked that one at all. <laughs> Good. So it makes it two of us. One, one. <laughs> one, one. <laughs> um, but it's like, so it says the AMA is calling for urgent action to support doctors in training with this research reinforcing that long working hours and fatigue are putting the future medical workforce at greater risk of poor mental health and suicide ideation. In the extreme, unbroken shifts of up to 76 hours mm. were reported mm. as, well as, as well as working weeks of up to 118 hours. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah. It, I, incredible. I read, I read numbers like that and I'm just like, my doctor's telling me to get eight hours of sleep at night. <laughs> well, we don't take our own advice, I don't think, Sadie. Um, I, we tell people to sleep, probably not have their phones in bed, but I think um, we're probably the worst at that, I think. But, you know, it's, and, it's insane, Sonny. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Sorry, go on. And, 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 and like, um, it's what research has identified a number of um, contributing external effects for burnout, including, sorry, for burnout, including job demands, such as excessive patient loads, long working hours, difficult rostering requirements, and disproportionate on-call and out-of-hours work. Yeah. All that on top of studying for your exams, yeah. looking after family and friends. Yeah. Yeah. And in your case, um, you're now married, yep. but yep. Having, having a partner yeah. at the it's, same time. It's, it's, it's true. Like the big thing, Sunny. So I think, um, yeah, so I think I went into, I transitioned into GP life last year. And I think a lot of my... My story, I guess, Sonny, is that I've always thought of myself, and sorry, I'm just kind of going back a little bit with, with this answer, but I've always thought of myself as a hospital doctor. I've always thought of myself as someone that's kind of right. always going to be in hospital and kind of, yeah, I'll sacrifice this. I'll sacrifice this, but I'll love it more, so I'll be okay with the sacrifice. But I think, yeah, as my priorities kind of change, and then last year I spent more time doing night shift and more time doing weekends, and I think as you said, I got married as well. And I think at that point when that was happening in my life and this was the, the work was happening and also my life was changing and priorities were changing. I felt that 
there was a massive shift in what I thought was important in my life. And I think mm. that's just me though. So for me, I think I, I, it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't a sustainable way of keeping my mental health going, keeping my mental health good if I was to continue doing this long term. And I'm mm. a big believer and all my friends will tell you is this. I have this line that I think if you're willing to sacrifice a lot, great. But if you love something more, then that's okay. So I think like, so I have friends that are surgeons and they're going through what you're saying at the moment. They're, they're going through the hours and it's, it's incredible. But I always believe, Sonny, that I don't know. The, the, the line is that it's always, there's an end. There's a, it's finite. It's something that you kind of, mm. um, there'll be an end point to this and you, life will get better. But still at the moment, when you're younger, you're sacrificing a lot. But if you love it more, I guess that some people, that, that's what gives them happiness. So you, who are mm. we to kind of say no to that, I guess. But from mm. an institutional point of view, as you're saying, I think there are, the fact that this is all coming out, I feel that has to lead to some sort of change. Mm. And I think, and, and this is more, I think, for myself, but something I've always struggled with, and, and this is probably another conversation itself, is like, What's what's the point of working so much when you know like you know yeah. the the road's gonna end at the end of it yeah. you know why not spend time with family friends yeah. your own well being yeah. health and fitness yeah. like yeah. why don't you keep putting yourself in situations where you're you know happy yeah. you know you're exercising you're with family and yeah. friends because there's there's a you know as as grim as it sounds I think there's a clock ticking in all of us yeah. um, and if we get too caught up in this world of like constant pursuit yeah what's the point i like and yeah. that's that's more something i'm trying to come to terms with because yeah. like there's there's one side of me which just wants to continue working and hustling and grinding yeah yeah um, exactly i'm 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 really passionate about like the startup world yeah and, yeah and tech. yeah yeah so nice there that's like obviously in tech you probably hear like nice hours but in the startup world you don't hear nice hours no at all, right no and, and then and then there's the other end of me which is less like you know, I've got family, I've got a yeah. partner, yeah. I've got a younger brother. Yeah. Like, I, I just want to enjoy time with That's all of it. them. That's so. it. <laughs> I think saying, for me, like, just exactly what you're saying, and I think it goes back to that train thing that I talked about at the start. I think it's something I believe that you start on this journey and you say, I have to do this thing to get to the next step in life. I have to do this thing to get mm-hmm. to the next step in life. And then you just don't know when to say, look, this is too much. I'm out of control here. Mm-hmm. And just say, this is enough. And I think um, it... I think I was lucky. I, I personally, I think, was lucky enough to have that massive shift and and have those experiences last year to make that change. But I think a lot of people, as you said, like it's very hard. It's what you're used to, and you don't mm. know anything else, so you don't know what else to do but keep staying on that train and keep going. Mm. And I think that's um, it sounds like for you as well. But it, it's it's yep. a massive thing for junior doctors. You just don't know. Yep. Yep. You're 100 percent right. And and like. I'd be particularly keen in knowing, like, you know, how did your relationship change? Mm. You know, obviously, both of you are married. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Thank and you, it, obviously, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of strength, right, in, in that relationship as well. And mm. that doesn't come from anywhere. No. Um, how was, you know, even if we take, like, a little of course, detour. Of course. Sort of the way you communicate with each other, the way you, um, if, correct me if I'm wrong, is she also yeah, so in, she's in a the GP. field of medicine? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So you put, you put <laughs> two of you together. Um, I, I think it's probably another rarity that you would get the same rostering in well, work exactly. hours as well. <laughs> so, so you're, yeah. you're so, you're so spot on. And I think that was the big thing with last year. I think, um, so, um, my wife's also a GP and she got into the, she was a year ahead of me in the training. So she was doing the relatively good hours of a GP or very good hours of a GP, sorry. Mm. Um, a year before me, whereas for me, I was, as I said, last year, so we got married, started, I think, year before. I was doing night shift and weekends. She was doing nine right. to fives. So there would be times that um, she would go to work in the morning I'd, and I'd be sleeping during the day. Then I'd wake up, she'd come back from work, say hi, say bye, and then I'd be off to work and then she'd be sleeping and then vice versa the next day, next day, next day. And then we'd be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. We'll have a weekend where we can, like, catch up, spend time, like, do, like life properly Mm. and then um no (laughs) because I was working again so um but that's the thing like I think that was a big thing for me because I think yeah and I'm not giving marriage or relationship advice I don't think that's this podcast that's the other (laughs) one but it's more it's time Sunny. I think spending time with the people that you love is the most important thing um and Mm. you can't 
I, I think, yeah, as, as it's hard sometimes to do that. And I think mm. sometimes it makes it, you got to make some harder decisions, but, um, and you got to really introspect as to what's important for you. And I was lucky mm. enough to be able to do that in that time. And I'm luck. I'm honestly, Sunny, lucky to have been able to choose this, and it's working out for me at the moment. Um, mm. So I'm just lucky, I think. And and were there periods in between where, obviously, like you saw, it's like a tag team. She's finished with day shift, yeah. tag in. Yeah. You're well, in for yeah. night shift. Were, 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 there, were there times you didn't see her for? Like, yeah, there were. You know, because yeah. I, I imagine like you know love languages and, and yeah. spending quality time with yeah. each other, like. You know, if uh, you, you guys probably know your love languages, mm, but you know, if, well. it's, if it is like spending quality time together, yeah, no, that, that gets that gets tough. It it honestly does. Something. Like I think there, yeah, it it wasn't um, it wasn't ideal. Let's just, like I think that's mm. the that the yeah, because there, there were weeks, there were weeks, honestly, that it, that we didn't get to see each other. Because as you said, because it, it, it wasn't just work and the two of us, right? It wasn't. Mm. It, 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 it's very naive to say that that was the only two priorities in life. Because as you said, you mm. have, there's families there. There's like our own individual kind of sports that I used to play. Like I play soccer and stuff mm. and that and play cricket and things like that. So that kind of stuff and like, and seeing like friends as well. And then like just having time to yourself and doing your own thing. And like just there's so many, there's, there's a vast array of things that we wanted to do. But because of work, that wasn't happening. And I think... Um, yeah, it it wasn't it wasn't ideal for us. Like n- nothing bad, but it just wasn't ideal. Like it just wasn't. We mm. for us, we were lucky because at least she had the stable kind of nine to five, and she was happy. Um, but I, I realized that it wasn't sustainable for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it just hammers home that point um, earlier about balance and and that idea about you know throwing yourself into the deep end, but also at the same time looking after your well being. Exactly right. Um, one one thing I I think it's quite overlooked. Um, and that is when you're dealing with a patient, mm. so often you put yourself in, in the patient's feet mm. and, and you're dealing with, you know, whatever they're going through, right? Whatever sort of diagnosis or prognosis or mm-hmm. whatever you're giving to them. When, when you, when you have some patients that really touch your heart, mm. um, and I have no doubt that there's been plenty of patients that, you know, you have the utmost care and, and respect for, but in the day I say there might be one or two or three mm. that, that really touch yep. you. Um, yep. Dealing with that is not the easiest thing, you know. Combine that with, like, all these pressures that are going on. Um, it's almost like you're supporting them, mm. but you're also taking something out of yourself yep. to put yourself in their shoes. Yep. Um, how have you particularly found sort of those experiences? That's, that's a re- really good question. And I think for a junior doctor, I think um, there'll be, there's a lot of stuff that we're not taught. Um, in medical school, and I think that's definitely one of them. I think, um, li- like, it's sorry, I shouldn't say that, but I think it's very easy to say what you should do, and it's very easy to say, oh, you should just kind of detach yourself and treat, like, kind of leave work and life separate. But I think that's basically impossible. Um, mm. So I think early on, I think I used to take a lot to heart. I think I used to take a lot of my patients and their struggles and everything to heart and keep it within myself. Um, and not talk about it and be like, oh, my God, what's going to happen to them? I hope they're okay. I hope they made it through the weekend. I hope what I did for them was right. I hope they aren't in too much pain. And I think, as, mm. as, as you say, like, there are a few that I still remember to this day. But even in general, like, when you're on a night shift, you're, you hope you make the right decision for everyone um, and that they make it through the next day and everything's okay and all of that. But to answer your question, Sunny, I think the big thing is is and it, it will sound cliched, but not taking that burden on your own heart and not sharing that around. Um, I, as I said, like my, lucky my wife's a GP, but also like a lot of my friends are also doctors. So the number of phone calls we've had about something mm. bad that they saw in an emergency department that just, just annoyed them, that just really annoyed them. And they're just like, how could, like, how, like what, what, what's going on? Like, I don't know what's going on, but I just like, I don't like how, the situation I was put in or oh, I really hope they're okay. Mm. Like I had to tell them this thing and it was really bad. And I, I hope that the family took it. Okay. I, I only was able to talk to them on the phone, but I hope that they took it. Okay. Or, or the, the next person like, Oh, they were really angry. Like, I wonder why they were so angry today. Like what's, what's mm. going on. And it may not just be patient sunny as well. That's the other thing. Like in hospitals, like you're dealing with so many different staff as well. Like, and it's, uh, it's not just other doctors, it, it's it's other staff, like nursing staff, allied health staff, like 
anyone, administration staff, you've got so many people to deal with. So being able to debrief and find someone to talk to, I think, is has has transformed my perspective of these things so much mm. more because you're like they may forget it the person you talk to may forget about it within two seconds and that's okay but at least you've shared that load and you've got an advice about whether you can do something different the next time or even in this case whether you can do something different is there any different approaches you can have so my my, my main thing for that and what's changed for me is that not trying to be that person that does it all myself and bank on the people around me to help me out Mm. And I, I can imagine how hard this is for yourself, but then also like surgeons that are doing like invasive surgery, uh, yeah. psychologists that are dealing with yeah. people and like, you know, mental health plans. 100% um, sunny. It's, and I, I've probably never thought of that. Like, I, I think, you know, you've, you've imagined yourself in a psychiatric or psychologist yeah. setting and, and you've got someone that's opening up about certain thoughts and feelings, yeah. but you're, you're constantly thinking, okay, are they making it through the weekend? Yeah. How they how they feeling, yeah. and then you multiply that by the number of different patients yeah. you have. Yeah, that's not easy. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. So I think, um, yeah, as as you like, yeah, you're you're. It's in a book. It says like you got to do your risk assessments and things like that. And that apparently, like, give if they say, oh no, I'm not at risk, then you're good. Like you're you've done your job. Is I think the way mm. the the line here. Like you've done your job, but yeah, it, it can't be easy. And as I said, like, I, I, yeah, I haven't had much, um, maybe more as I become a GP, I'll have more of those conversations with people. But I think, um, for me, it's, it, it, it does, it's, it's not easy. It's not, it's not an easy mm. thing. Yeah. There's a, there's a really awesome book. I don't know if you've read it called When Breath Becomes yeah, Air. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Brilliant. And, brilliant and I think it, it touches on that relationship between being a patient yep. and being a doctor. Yeah. And, um, doctor. Kalanithi, I think. Yeah, yes. I, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but yeah. <laughs> for those listening, it's it is an incredible book. It does. It is. Um, it is of of a doctor who is a doctor then turned a patient. Yeah. And he explores that relationship exactly and, right. and his life throughout. So, um, no, these these are awesome. And and I guess as as we're wrapping up this conversation, yeah. you know, like. Uh, where where do you see yourself? You know, like um, you know, as as you're progressing through the medical field, um, you know, as you probably like, you know, you mentioned you're just starting off your career, but as you get into these positions where you might have a bit of influence, mm. right? You might even be with the AMA, for, well, <laughs> as an example. But like, um, two things. Mm. One, like, where where would you like to see yourself? Mm. Um, you know, as as your career progresses. Mm. And two is, you know, maybe this goes in hand in hand with that first question, but is there a particular area of medicine um, that that interests you more than anything? I think that's just more of like a fun fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, for yeah. sure. I think, so just with that first one, saying it's a really good question. I think, um, so I'm a happy GP now. Um, I think it's something I didn't expect to be, but I'm happy. Um, and I'm loving life at the moment. So I think as I go forward, um, being a good GP and taking care of, people in my GP practice I think is something that I want to do and doing that the best way possible developing relationships and doing all of that um and then also expanding my practice there are um and I guess this is what we'll touch on as well is that there are certain parts of medicine that I loved when I was in hospital um and I think something that um I think you've talked about a little bit addiction medicine is something that I um really love I think it's something that um it's something that isn't talked about a lot and it, there's a lot of stigma around it. So, and, and I think working in that space for quite a few weeks when I was in hospital really opened my eyes to that. And it's something that I want to take into my GP practice and kind of um, move that forward. Um, and then also just I, also I loved having these chats about what it's like to be a junior doctor. And outside of this, I think it's, it's really important to kind of change the narrative, I think, as to what what's okay when it is like when it's a to, to be a junior doctor, what's okay, what's not okay, and um, kind of how to deal with it. I think it's it's an important conversation to be had, mm. and to really normalize that experience. I don't know what I want to do in that space, but I think it's something that um, I want to look into because it it clearly uh, pushes my buttons when junior doctors aren't mm. aren't taking care of themselves. So. Yeah, yeah. I think that that uh, does that answer your question, Sunny. I think hopefully, maybe. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I, I, I like. I am glad. I'm glad we're having this conversation because I, I don't hear this too much. 
Like I, I don't, I don't hear about junior doctors. Like I mean, junior doctors to other junior doctors and doctors to other doctors, probably a byproduct of me not even being in medicine to yeah. begin with. But I don't, I don't hear many of my, you know, doctor friends complaining about what they're going through. Mm. Like, and and maybe they're just enjoying it. But I, but I think there is a strong section of the community of the public that very much have very similar experiences to what you've had, mm. and it would be honestly awesome to see more support. Um, you know, and. Uh, Maybe that's a startup idea, you know. Well, maybe <laughs> more well-being. Yeah, I think more, more. Yeah, I, I agree. So I think, yeah, as I said, I think honestly, Sunny, there's a lot of a, a lot more stuff out there now about as we talked about the hours and all of that stuff. I think that's something that's starting to come out. But I think, and I think I hope we talked about this, and I, I think it's come across. But this idea that as a as a junior doctor, you shouldn't like you've done so much to get to where you want have got have like to get there. You've done so much to kind of get to that spot and you've worked hard you've 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 done that for a reason don't let small things affect that don't let small things kind of question your self-worth as a doctor don't let small things affect your self-esteem as a human being you're there for a reason and try and remember that wherever you go and I think that's that is my take on this whole burnout thing because I think that also contributes to burnout as well because mm. um, as, as I've said the whole way through this self-worth is critical to being a doctor and you shouldn't mm. let small things affect that. Mm. Very powerfully said. I, I think we can... Yeah, I, I, I can't top that off. And a <laughs> massive, massive shout out to Sanjay. Oh, uh, yes. Thank you, Sanjay. Uh, <laughs> who, who has uh, put us in touch. Absolute legend of a human being. With, I think probably on that note, um, that is our conversation. Yeah, it's good, Sunny. No, thank you, Sunny. And there you are, done and dusted. That was the conversation with Niv, and I hope you guys took something away from that conversation. Um, I certainly did, and it was definitely around having a greater appreciation for those that are on our front line. So... Um, if you, if you guys are enjoying what we're doing, uh, make sure to follow us on uh, Instagram, on Facebook. We're at Bottled Up Oz. Um, and send us a couple of suggestions, what podcasts and what episodes and what guests you might want to have on. We very much um, you know, run on the support of everyone that listens to us, and we want to make sure that we cover the stories that you guys are after. So I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, I certainly did. And stay tuned for the next one.